0: Shalom and welcome to this week's Think Jewish. This week is the Torah portion of Chaye Sarah, the life of Sarah. The title of tonight's lecture is The Kabbalistic Secret of the Gettysburg Address. Subtitle, Beyond Self-Dedication, Consecration, and Hallowing. Hallowing to make holy. So, let's start with the introduction. The opening verse of this week's Torah portion is and the life of Sarah was 100 years and 20 years and 7 years in brackets, these were, end bracket, the years of the life of Sarah. That's the opening verse, the opening pasuk to this week's Torah portion which leads into the story of Abraham buying the plot in Hebron for the burial and from there it goes on to the Shidduch and so forth and so on. So, when you read this verse, the obvious two questions that are glaring at you, that glares at us, is as follows. Number one, it says 100 years and 20 years and 7 years. When it should have said 127 years. Why do we have 100 years, 20 years, and 7 years? That's not the way we normally say things. Question number one. Why the repetition repetition of the words years? The second question, which is so obvious, is the repetition of the words, the life of Sarah. So the verse starts with the words, and the life of Sarah was, and then it ends with the words, the years of the life of Sarah. Again, why the repetition? Two simple, obvious questions. And how do we know that they're obvious questions? Because the famous medieval commentary from old France, Rabbi, Sh- Rabbi Shlomo Yitzchaki, known as Rashi, doesn't ask any questions that are not glaringly obvious that he has to explain to his cheder student, his five-year-old, six-year-old, seven-year-old student. So therefore, he immediately deals with the issue. And I'm going to actually read to you what he says. This is actually straight from his writings. So he quotes the words, and the life of Sarah was 100 years and 20 years and 7 years, and he explains, the reason that the word years was written after every digit is to tell you that every digit is to be expounded upon individually. And how do we do that? When she was 100 years old, she was like a 20 years old regarding sin. You and I know adulthood as Barabat Mitzvah. But biblically speaking, it's actually the age of 20. Where do you notice from a biblical story? The story of the punishment for the spies. Right? They were to travel 40 years in the desert. A, day for, a year for a day of their spying. And everyone would pass away at the age of 60. Which means that anyone that was at the age of 20 at the time of the sin is accountable for participating in the sin. So we know that the heavenly court only holds you accountable for sin at the age of 20. Thus Rashi explains, just as a 20 year old has not sinned because she or he is not liable to punishment, so too when she was 100 years old she was without sin. Now let's move to the next two digits. And when she was 20, she was like a seven-year-old as regards to beauty. That's what Rashi tells us, that the word years separates the digits so that we can expound individually from each digit. And we learn out when she was 100, she was like 20, clean of sin. When she was 20, she was like seven, the beauty of a seven-year-old. And Rashi tells us that he took this from the voracious Rabba Medrash okay Rashi number two on this verse he quotes the closing words again the repetition the years of the life of Sira," and he explains why it's repetitious with just these following words all of them equally good the 120 years why does it again sum it up at the end of the verse by saying the years of the life of Sira to teach us Kulam Shavim Letova they all were equally good okay This is the two questions I introduced to you in the Pasuk. They're very obvious. And then comes Rashi's interpretation, which explains each one of these questions. Two questions, two answers. Now we're going to get a little bit Kabbalistic. Stick with me, because it's very practical. In Kabbalah and Hasidus, these two answers of Rashi are both explained in a greater depth. We're going to revisit, Rashi tells us that each digit is to be expounded upon individually and you learn out one from the other. 100 like 20, 20 like 7. Now let's see what Kabbalah does with, does with that. How does Kabbalah define these three numbers and how do we have the connection from the 100 to the 20 to the 7? So Kabbalah explains as follows, and I'm just following one opinion. There's different opinions how to learn the hundred. I'm going to fo- follow the, most fa- the more famous opinion. The Rebbe Blessed Memory in the teaching that I'm actually talking to you about, it was uh, delivered in 1990 of uh, uh, th- this Torah portion, the week of um, Chayesara. The Rebbe over there talks about both, both opinions of the number hundred. But for right now, let's keep it, the KISS rule, keep it simple, sweetie. Let's go to one interpretation. A hundred in the world of Kabbalah represents the level of the supernal crown. Why does it represent the level of the supernal crown which in human language equals the power of will? He has a power of will and the answer is because the power of will is all-encompassing and it's all-inclusive. Thus you have the number a hundred because we already studied previously in this this class, that there are ten emanations, ten Sfirot, and when the verse says, let us make mankind in our image and likeness, it means that the soul reflects the ten emanations by its ten faculties. So you have the ten, and in the world of tikkun, in the world of correction and healthy balance, there is a complexity, each one, a compilation, each one is made up of each one. So in other words, the ten emanations, each one of them is made up of all ten. You have wisdom of wisdom, understanding of wisdom, knowledge of wisdom, kindness of wisdom, strictness of wisdom, so forth and so on. So when you're all inclusive, you have the ten times ten, which equals a hundred. The masterpiece here is, that if you look in the English translation, it doesn't do it correctly. In the Hebrew, the actual text of the Torah, when it says the word a hundred years, it does not say a hundred years, plural. It says a hundred year. Me'a shana, not shanim. And the reason for this is that the level of supernal crown, the power of the will, the way it reflects itself in human faculties, over there it's infinite and unity. Thus you have the circular crown, 10 times 10 all-inclusive, and yet we use the, the singular form of the word shana and not shanim, year. A hundred year, okay? Now let's go to the next level, which is the 20. What does the 20 represent according to Kabbalah? The 20 represents the two primary intellects, wisdom and understanding. Now, wisdom, understanding is unity, but it's finite. It's not circular. Now we're talking linear, a top and a bottom. So when we talk about the intellect, the capacity of intellect, wisdom has its beginning and its end, and so does understanding. However, a very interesting, I'm actually quoting Kabbalah, when it talks about wisdom and understanding, it calls it, Aramaic, which means two friends that do not separate. Wisdom and understanding are always consummating. They are the parents. The wisdom is the father. The understanding is the mother. And they're continuously consummating. And that's the way Hashem set up the system so that there can be the reproduction, which would be the birth of emotions. So once again over here because there is the unity two friends that do not separate once again we use in Hebrew, in English we said years, but again in Hebrew it says Esrem Shana and not Shanim, the singular text. So you have the infinite circular power of will, you have the finite unified power of perception, And then you have the seven. And what does the seven stand for? The seven stands for the emotions. Interesting enough, when it comes to the seven, the Torah does not use a singular form of shana, but it uses the word shanim, plural. Because emotions are complex and antithetical. You have complete opposite emotions within you. You have the right and the left and their complete opposites okay so you have over here the verse is telling you that what is the life of Sarah a hundred plus twenty plus seven now what does that tell us by the way just that you should know our primary focus that we are commanded to deal with is the emotions because we are commanded to and every action is driven by an emotion. Either attraction, love, or fear. And that's why the Alter Rebbe and Tanya says that these two emotions are the driving force, the two wings of every single mitzvah. The 248 thou shalt do is driven by love. The 365 prohibitions thou shalt not do is driven by fear. So our primary focus in our day-to-day service of Hashem is the tikkun Hamidot. We're working with the midot, the emotions, the seven emotions, the complexity, the antithetical feelings that go on in us. Okay? So, let's talk now about what this means in Kabbalah. That means the verse is telling us as follows. That you have to draw the unity, the infinite of the power of will into the finite power of perception and then you have to take this empowered power of perception and drive it into emotions. So when you read the words 127, you're actually looking at the secret of the human life. It encompasses all the layers of our infrastructure. The power of will, the power of perception, and then you have the power of emotions, which drives us into action. Now, here's an interesting thing for those of you who like the numerology stuff. 127 is not only the secret of Sarah's life, it's actually also the secret of Abraham's life. Abraham passed away at the age of 175. The question is, how old was he when he found God? So there's an argument in the Talmud. Most of us only know, traditionally, we only know of the opinion that he was 3 years old. Lo and behold, there's an opinion that he was actually 48 years old, and Maimonides quotes that opinion. Now do your math. 175 minus 48 equals? 127. So according to this opinion, how many years did he completely serve God? when he found God, is 127. So once again, we see the emphasis that the totality of the human serving God with all his layers is 100, power of will, 20, power of perception, 7, power of emotions, which drives action. Okay? So we have that. Now we need to understand this a little bit. We need to really explain this a little better. Generally speaking, when we talk about the greatest power of the human soul, it's his power of will. When you have the power of will, when you want something, when you really uninhibitedly want something, nothing can get into your way. Famous Anthony Robbins, called Tony Robbins, he calls this unleash the power within. What is the unleashing of the power within that Tony Robbins gets millions of dollars? I'm going to tell it to you for free. (laughs) What it is, is that when you can get in touch with that infinite, unrevocable, unstoppable power of will... The supernal, circular, infinite power. The all-encompassing power. The one that knows of no rejection and knows of no obstacles. That is when you unleash the greatest power of the soul. The power of Razon. When you can really reveal within yourself that power of I want then you move mountains but it needs to be the revelation of the circular power the number 100. now when you reveal that power of 100 to the point where it absolutely dominates your power of perception the only thing that is dominating your power of perception your only perception now is the absolute tangible ability of success from the power of will so you have Tony Robbins and all the other self-help peoples and the motivators they talk about not just the abstract I want You have to smell it. You have to taste it. You have to feel it. You have to see it. That needs to become your perception. When the power of will, 100, is drawn into the power of perception, 20, you now have the tangible, infinite power of success within your only perception of reality. Now once that becomes your only perception of reality, then you are passionately, emotionally driven. So when you bring the 100 into the 20 and you bring the 20 into the seven, now you have the practical, tangible drive to leave your comfort zone and act upon this perception that I am going to succeed in my full potential of my destiny that is the secret of unleash the power within and so forth and so on it's all talking about can you connect with the number a hundred within your soul can you connect with that infinite all-inclusive unified power of will Now this secret of Anthony Robbins is actually a reflection of everything that Hasidus is trying to teach us. Hasidus is trying to teach us this exactly in your divine power. The power of perception on its own is not irrevocable. You can be stopped If all you do is perceive that you can do this. Because it's an emanation, and by definition, an emanation has its boundaries. It's a defined light. Only the infinite circular power of will, which is to the point of foolishly stubborn... And when I say the word foolishly stubborn, it refuses to hear the word no and the word impossible. When you could connect to the hundred, bring the hundred into the twenty, that your perception, your only perception of your capacity is to be able to absolutely fulfill your destiny. There is no other perception. There is Chachma and Bino, wisdom and understanding unified, consummating this notion, the only notion, the only perception that it has, that I am built for success. And then that perception becomes not abstract, but so real that you really tangibly, passionately, emotionally. Want it. A hundred into twenty, twenty into seven. That is the secret of the opening of the verse. The opening of the verse, a hundred years, twenty years, seven years, this is the life of Chayesorah. Let's talk about this. There's a two-way it's always in Kabbalah, it's always two ways. It's not just that the greater benefits from the lower, I'm uh, sorry, it's not just that the lower benefits from the greater, but rather it's that the greater also benefits from the lower. So let's talk about this. Let's talk about the relationship between a hundred and twenty power of will, power of perception. The power of perception is not infinite and it's not definite and it cannot stand strong against every single obstacle. More than that, we know from our own personal experiences that our perception is our greatest obstacle because our perception sees a cliff. That's as far as it goes and then you fall down. While the power of will is circular, there is no cliff. So the power of perception, which is the lower, the 20, it nurtures and has what to gain from the power of 100, which is infinite, non-stoppable, it just doesn't take rejection, and there is no obstacles. But now let's look at it in reverse. The power of 100 needs the power of 20. Because the power of will, by being infinite, is also abstract. Until the power of a hundred isn't brought into the power of twenty, until the I want doesn't become the perception of reality, it's abstract. You see it by kids. Ask them on Sunday, what do you want to be? A rock star. Monday, what do you want to be? A fireman. Tuesday, what do you want to be? The president. And they're all true. And he wants each one of them infinitely so. Try to tell your child, don't be stupid, that's impossible. Go have that discussion with him. But because it's only childish in the sense of I want, not I perceive, it's abstract. But when that I want becomes your perception When the 100 becomes 20, not only does the 20 become infinite from the 100, but the 100 becomes tangible from the 20. And thus the 100 has all the reason to drive into the 20 for its own gain. The pain and frustration of the wannabe hundreds. Let's not talk about ourselves. That's difficult, right? But we all at least know 10 people plus the guy or the lead, the gal in the mirror, who is an abstract wannabe power of will. So, in order to make that wannabe abstract, tangible, and real, it can't just be the infinite circular hundred. It's got to be the permeating. Power of perception, the 20, it needs to come the way I think. Not just when I'm sitting with my hookah thinking of what I want to do if I win the lottery. No, we're talking about the real tangible wake up in the morning, make my to-do list. The perception which drives that is filled with the infinite power of will. Now let's talk about the relationship between the 20 and the 7 the 20 and the seven works the same way 20 is greater than seven perception is gives birth and parents emotion. you really really feel emotional about something because you perceive it in a certain way. and did not stop smoking until someone got a bit close to them, had lung cancer, and all of a sudden they brushed the pack of cigarettes and never touched them again. All, all of a sudden, sudden it wasn't a perceptional, it wasn't an intellectual medical report, it became the old... How many times are we afraid, afraid of someone? Or we maybe even dislike that person? Until our perception of that person changes. So you see that perception parents emotions. So the seven definitely wants the 20. The emotions definitely want a relationship, a deep relationship with the intellect. It needs it as a child needs a parent. Now tell me, why would the 20 want the seven? Very simple why. Intellect, perception, is, (laughs) it's, what's the word? Uh, um, One second over here. It's, uh, what's it called? No, it's when you can't have children, you're not potent. Impotent, Impotent, thank you, my God. That word just slipped my mind. Perception is impotent when it comes to action. You will never get anyone to do something or to stop doing something by intellectually explaining to them why they should or why they shouldn't. Every salesman in the world knows that you will not close a deal until you kick in the emotion. Either the fear factor, we already have three offers, I can't promise you it's going to be available tomorrow or the attraction emotion. So if this was your house, what color would you make this room? And where would you put up the pictures of your kids? Why? <laughs> this, this, uh, this real estate agent really doesn't give two hoots of what color you're going to do your room and where you're putting the pictures. But what they're doing is they're connecting a positive emotional connection between you and the house. So those two dominant emotions Without them, perception is impotent. It cannot produce an action. You will not leave your comfort zone and get up and do something or stop doing a habitual behavior unless it's delivered passionately. Going back to Anthony Robbins, he talks about that all the time. You've got to be full of passion. If your subconscious does not receive the message from your conscious mind passionately, it will not absorb it. It won't move on it. What makes your subconscious trigger and actually do something is because the message was delivered to it with a very emotional and passion, passionate delivery. And thus you have not just the by the way, you should know that you're getting older and you've got to start doing something. No. That's not the way it works. If the, if the subconscious does not get it with a big OMG, it's not reacting. But when the subconscious gets it with a OMG, you people are into the texting world. Oh my God, or oh my gosh. So if you don't get that, <laughs> yeah type oma oh my Allah but anyway back to our point here if you don't deliver to your subconscious the message emotionally it's an impotent message nothing will happen and thus you see the importance of our matriarch serious life a hundred year 20 year, seven years because the secret of life is To be able to really unleash your full potential to reach your destiny, you've got to touch the hundred, the power of will, bring it into the twenty, the power of conception, and then deliver it with emotion, the power of seven, and then you have thought, speech, and action, which reflects and it is imbued by your entire capacity of your soul. And that's the secret of the first half of the verse. A hundred year, twenty years, year, seven years. And the verse tells us that our matriarch, Sarah, lived this life. Why? Because, as I spoke to you last week, our sages tell us the action of our parents, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Sarah, Rivka, Rachel, and Leah, they are signs. They are empowerments. They are road pavers for their children. So the fact that Sarah lived this life tells us that we could live this life. I want to share with you something else. This 127, the secret of this 127, I want to tell you what the Zohar says. Kabbalah tells us that Adam went down into the Garden of Eden and he botched up. Noah stepped out into a new world after the flood and he botched up. Sarah, it said, ascended into Egypt and ascended back out of Egypt complete. She fulfilled her destiny. And the only way that was able to happen is because what the verse in our Torah portion testifies about her. For her Power of the soul. She wasn't just the infinite abstract dreamer of I want. She, just, she wasn't just the finite power of, of perfection. And she wasn't just random, random complex emotions. It was all a congruency. The hundred into the twenty into the seven, which empowered her with her actions day by day to live her fullest capacity and destiny. That takes care of the first question. Why each one individually says year, year, years. What's about the second point? Rashi also deals with the second question. Why does the verse repeat itself at its closing with the same words of its opening? Chaye These are the years, the life of Sarah, and it closes up again, and these were the lives of Sarah. And what does Rashi answer? for that repetition, that coming to tell us not only the 100 plus the 20 plus the 7, but even greater than that, they were all equal good. How does Kabbalah perceive this? What does it mean that it was all equal good? Beyond the completion of the 100 into the 20 into the 7, serving with the unity of 127, more than that, there was something even beyond that, they were all equally good so let's see how how kabbalah deals with this and it explains like this all of them the power of will hundred the power of perception 20 the power of emotions seven all of them even though we spoke about greater and smaller right the supernal crown the power of will is greater than the power of perception the power perception is greater than the emotions but that is only from the layer Perspective of the infrastructure of the soul, but from the essence of the soul, they are all equally good The hundred, the twenty, and the seven, when you reveal the essence of everything, there's only one essence to everything And from the essence perspective, everything is equally good Now the question is, how do you get yourself to reveal the essence? So we spoke about how the hundred and the twenty and the seven works. We spoke about bringing down that power of will into the power of perception, completely dominating your perception, bringing it down into a passionate delivery of emotions, which drives you into actions. But how do we reach this last part of the set, the Pasuk? How do we reach that level of and Kulam Shavim Letova how they're all equally good. The greater, the smaller, it's all one essence. So to understand that, I want to read to you one of the greatest speeches ever delivered by mankind. It was delivered by Abraham Lincoln on November 19th in 1863. It's made up of three paragraphs. Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation, conceived in liberty and dedication to the proposition that all men are created equal. Paragraph number two. Now we are engaged in a great civil war, testing whether that nation or any nation so conceived and so dedicated can long endure. We are met on a great battlefield of that war. We have come to dedicate a portion of that field as a final resting place for those who gave their lives that their nation might live. It is altogether fitting and proper that we should do so. Paragraph number three, final paragraph. But in a large sense, we cannot dedicate, we cannot consecrate, probably the most famous speech ever given. Parenthetically speaking, he was not the main speaker. He actually jotted this down on his train ride on a little shred of paper. The main speaker, no one even here remembers his name and no one here probably even knows that he spoke for an hour and a half. Abraham Lincoln delivered this short three paragraph speech and it became immortal so my thoughts on the matter it is in the third paragraph of this speech that has made it immortal and i'm going to repeat to you two pull quotes which i pulled out of the third paragraph but in a larger sense we cannot dedicate we cannot consecrate we cannot hallow this ground the brave men living and dead who struggled here have consecrated it far above our poor power to add or detract End quote. My second pull quote. It is for us the living rather to be dedicated here to the unfinished work which they who fought here have thus far so nobly advanced. It is rather for us to be here dedicated to the great task remaining before us that from these honored dead we take increased devotion to that cause for which they gave the last full measure of devotion. So let's understand what was taking place here. They actually came to consecrate a cemetery for those who have fallen in the battle to keep the country of democracy alive. They've actually come to give honor to the dead, the people who fought. And what does Abraham Lincoln say here? He says that it is not within our power to honor or consecrate this people. It's not about the people. It's about that which they have given the fullest measure of devotion to. It is about continuing and fighting to change the world. It's not about the honor for these X amount of soldiers who died. It's about the dream they lived for to make a difference in the world. Now let's go back to our verse. When you go ahead and you dedicate your life for the tikkun of your own neshama, even if it is the most beautiful dedication of a consecration of the soul, a hallowing of a soul, a dedication of the soul, for me to reach the full potential of my soul, all of the above, will not be able to take us out of the human infrastructure of a hundred and twenty and seven. Because if I am only absorbed in self, I only live within the powers of self. Abraham Lincoln was taking his people away from the focus of self, the individual, the I, the consecration of I. And he was talking about the world, to make a change in the world. According to Kabbalah, while the Nishama receives great benefit from coming down here to do tikkun for itself, the hundred, the twenty, the seven, unifying all of them into one lifetime. But the ultimate, the ultimate mission of the soul is not to work on itself. It is actually to make a difference in the world. It is to dedicate itself to God's desire of having this world of complexity and evil become a world of goodness and unified abode for His essence. And thus the first verse, the hundred, the twenty, and the seven is talking about the soul doing its own tikkun, reaching its own fulfillment its own potential, its own destiny. But the second half of the verse is not about the individual's own tikkun. It's about making a difference in the world around us. What's the one thing we know that Sarah clearly did? It tells us that Sarah converted the women to monotheism. She made a difference in the world around her. Only when we step out of ourselves and into God's desire can we step out of the 127 into the essence of in which everything is equally good, equally unified, and an equal opportunity to serve God. So there we have the second half of the sentence, the closing of the pasuk. The first time when it says this was the life of Sira, it spoke about Sira doing her own soul work, bringing the circular infinite hundred into the finite twenty, into the very complex seven. That was all about her neshama, her soul. That was her personal fulfillment. But Sira didn't stop there. Sira took it to the next level. Sira then reached out of herself out of her own layers of her infrastructure and dedicated her life to the infinite consecration of planet earth that's when she reached beyond herself into the essence of god which lies within the essence of her soul of her soul and thus the verse again says but on a total different level this beyond 127. and twenty and seven this, where Sarah stepped out of herself to make a difference in the world. To quote Steve Jobs, right? Make a dent in the globe. To make a difference. It's not about my Shama. It's not about if I'm going to heaven. It's not whether I reach my inner potential. It's about whether I've made a difference in this world, fulfilling God's desire. Then we step out of self into God, and now we're talking about the essence to which every detail of this world is ultimate goodness and oneness and opportunity. Let's close it up. In closing, life is a blessing. That's all that life is about, to make a blessing. What is the wording of every single blessing? Blessed are you, God, our God, King of the universe, right? Right? And then you go on to change whatever you're going to change. Baruch atah Hashem, Elokeinu, our God, Melech Olam, King of the Universe. Right there you have this entire verse. The first level in life is to make Elokeinu, make Him our God. That's the hundred, twenty and seven. Reveal that infinite will that every Jew has Every Jew wants nothing more, and nothing less than to be one with God. So the first part of a hundred, down to the perception, not that this world is a test. This world is an opportunity. This world is a vehicle for us to be able to serve God. Driven into a passionate emotions that I want to do the mitzvot. I want to be one with God in my soul, in my body. So the first part of the bracha, before you even talk about the world, is Elokeinu. Is he my God? That's the first part of the pasuk. And the life of Sarah was 100 years, 20 years, seven years. That was all the service of totally and completely becoming Elokeinu. He is my God. He dominates every layer of my infrastructure. Thereafter comes the second stage. Melech Ha'olam. Once I have had the inner congruency and completion of self, that He is completely my God, now I can go to the last words, the essence revelation, and that is King of the universe. Melech Ha'olam. Thus, you now have the entire verse and the years of the life of Sarah was a hundred, a hundred years, twenty years, seven years. This is the concept of blessed are you God, our God, Elokeinu, dominating my hundred, my twenty, my seven. And then we take it to the next level, the ultimate level of why the soul came down here. Not for self-gratification, but to fulfill God's desire. And that is Melech HaOlam. The world which seems to be a complexity, egocentric, separated from God. We have to transform that to Melech Ha'olam. God is king of the universe. By doing this, we reach the closure of the verse. And this was the infinite essence of the life of Sirah beyond her self perfection. It was the infinite life which reveals the essence that ultimately there is no complexity. There is no heaven and earth. It is all one, Hashem Echad, King of the universe. Thank you.